Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You are listening to episode 51 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with Jennifer White about translating your core values into your metrics. We cover a wide range of topics, including how you can translate the core values of your business into your metrics, what processes you need to have in place, and how those metrics can help you develop processes that support your values. She also goes through the process of auditing those processes that you already have in place to make sure they're working for you and how to make changes as you go down the road and find you need to shift and change. We talk briefly about how you can grow your team and make sure that you're on track and how they are bringing on new team members. Jennifer also has a great process and performance checklist that you can download from her website to help you evaluate your current processes. And you can find that at the mjwgroup.com slash 2p download or in the show notes. Jennifer began her career as an engineer and combines analytical ingenuity with a talent for leadership. With a decade of professional experience informing her expertise in supply chain strategy and process and systems design, Jennifer is a talented communicator with a passion for motivating clients to transform their assumptions and achieve high performance. She is known for applying her sharp analytical skills to develop innovative solutions. She calls herself the analytical rewired as she incorporates her love for logic and creativity into her business. She is the owner and chief impact visionary officer of the MJW Group, a performance consulting and leadership and development firm with her husband, Marcus. In their business, they work with entrepreneurs and small business owners to incorporate core values into their metrics to increase productivity, visibility, and overall performance. I had a great time recording this episode with Jennifer, and I want to thank her for being willing to actually record it a second time because of sound issues the first time around. So we had a great discussion, and I'm sure that you're going to learn a lot from this episode. So make sure you check it out, and if you like what you hear, send her a message through her website or let me know on Instagram and by leaving a review on iTunes. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Can you get started by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah. So I'm from Clearwater, Florida, originally born and raised. I went to school in Orlando, Florida, the University of Central Florida, where I studied industrial engineering. And so I really have a passion for industrial engineering and operations and that's where I've ended up in present day um, with my business, the MJW Group. We're a consulting firm that focuses on creating and developing operational efficiency in your business. So we help small business owners and solopreneurs establish those efficiencies that they may not normally think about so they could run their business quite well. All right. So how did you get started from the corporate stuff you were doing into running your own business and working a little bit more with creatives? Yeah. So in the corporate setting, I was there for maybe 12 years post-grad and I learned a lot quite actually. A lot of tools that I actually apply in present day and that's what 
geared me up to start the MJW group, being punctual, um, having precision and agility in what we do. I learned a lot of that in the corporate setting. Um, Being in operations, you have to be agile and flexible. You have to learn to adapt and react in the right way when situations arise. So I want to teach that to creatives, especially um, and other small business owners, because I know sometimes you may have a cookie cutter solution, but that may not be the only solution. So you have to learn how to come up with creative ways that you can react in a positive manner. Yeah, I love that you learned so much from that corporate job. I think a lot of us are looking to getting out of the nine to five. We want to do our own thing. But I know that I learned a ton from working for somebody else. I learned about accounting because that's how I started there. And it's really served me well because I know how a business runs and I got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes when I worked for somebody else. And I didn't have to worry as much about making a mistake. Yeah, you're exactly right. It gives you that ground to learn while you make mistakes. Um, So when you get into your own business, it's kind of like you, I don't know, I feel like I have a zero tolerance sometimes. (laughs) I was put under the fire so much. Like there was, you know, a period of where you can sit there and learn and ask a lot of questions. But then, you know, once you're off on your own in the corporate world, they expect you to, you know, to get results. And that's why you're there because they're entrusting you to do that for them. Yeah. And you run your business with your husband. So what is that like? It's fun. It's challenging. um, But it's also a learning experience because, I mean, we've been married for nine years, but when we started the business, it was like learning each other all over again, because we're both different in a business environment for versus a personal environment. So it's been challenging. I think the best thing that we started out doing in the business was creating roles and responsibilities for each other. So we don't tiptoe around each other. We don't, you know, make decisions without the other one knowing. And then each of us know what our role is in the company to where we're responsible for certain decisions, if that makes sense. So I think that was the best thing we did. So we're not crossing each other constantly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think anytime you're doing business with a partner or even as you outsource, you have to have roles so that you know who's doing what. And I would be the type of person who'd want to take over everything. And so I need to know, (laughs) okay, no, this is what they're responsible for. And it's, you have to let them do it. Right. I used to be that person. It's funny because we're, my husband and I are both type A people, but I've learned to let go a lot. I mean, because (laughs) it was just, it's too much. Like, you know, in your business, when you become an entrepreneur, you're everything. You're the chief everything officer. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes delegation, I'm like, here, take this, like, get it off my plate. I don't want to see it anymore. (laughs) So today we're talking about translating your core values into your metrics. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that means to you guys and sort of what the pieces are, the core values piece and the metrics piece. Yeah. So when I say, you know, translating your core values into your metrics, like for us, we have five core values, the NJW group. My favorite one is quality over quantity. And so everything we do, we relate it back to our vision and our strategy for the company. So I got the idea about 
translating your core values into your metrics from Kaplan and Norton. They are the owners of the balanced scorecard method. So they invented this balanced scorecard where you look at your overall vision and strategy and you tie it to your financials, your customer satisfaction, your operations, your internal processes, learning and growth, and even innovation. So any function or business unit in your company, you tie it back to your vision and strategy in which it sounds simple to do, but it's not that easy. So what we look at is, okay, if we know we want to bring in a certain amount of revenue, what does that look like in every function across our business? So how many people need to be involved? How many touch points? How many clients do we need to acquire? Um, retainer clients, what does that look like for them? Especially if you're innovating something new, how do you convince them that this new launch that you're doing is something they should be a part of? So different things like that is, is how we translate our core values into our metrics. The metrics piece is the easier piece of creating a balanced scorecard because you're putting controls in place to audit what you're, what you're doing. So for instance, like I mentioned, if you want to generate more revenue or you have a certain revenue goal, then you just track like every week, every month, every quarter, where are we? Where do we sit along the metric that we develop for ourselves? And like I said, that's the easier part to do. The hardest part is definitely defining what those metrics are going to be and how they align with your vision strategy. So how do you like recommend somebody do that? They take these core values that they have in place and how do they figure out what the right metric for measuring that might be? So it really goes back to you. And I think about when I started, your business really entails a lot of your personality, if that makes a lot of sense. Um, If you look at other businesses like Apple, Apple has a persona about them. It's like they own it. And the reason they own it and everyone understands their vision and the strategy and what they stand for is because Steve Jobs was that way. Like that was him. So when he established the company, everything translated from him, like his personality and it flowed out and that's how Apple evolved and your own business should be the same way. So whatever you stand for, whatever your core values are, whatever your vision, your mission is, like how you want to impact the world in the community in which you serve, it's going to translate into your business. I don't see how it can't. So like I said, it's the hard part of putting it on paper somewhat But intuitively, you kind of know where you are and you kind of know where you sit. So it's just a hard part of getting it out on paper and really standing for what your company is going to be. Yeah. And I think for me, when I look at what other companies are doing, I can say either I really like that or I would do something different. And that gives me a really good idea of sort of what I value and sort of how I could put those things into place as my business grows because I can see what other people are doing and either it fits with what I like Mm -hmm. and what I believe in or it doesn't. It makes doing business so much easier. I mean, (laughs) I know when we start out, especially creatives that I've intertwined with in the past or work with, 
sometimes you kind of feel like you need to take on every single client, but you don't. And you're going to realize, okay, this does not align with what we do over here. So I don't want this energy in the mix, (laughs) you know, in my business. So it makes it so much clearer to know what you stand for and what fits in your business and what doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So once we have sort of figured out what these metrics are that we're using, what processes should we have in place in our business? Yeah. So again, you want to have some kind of auditing, some type of control in your measure. So if that's creating a process where you say, like for me, you mentioned, you know, learning accounting. For me, I am not that person. I don't want to be that person with accounting, but we've since set up QuickBooks in our business. So I've set up a process for myself as being the business owner to make sure I go in and look at our charges that we're accumulating for expenses or whatever, and make sure I reconcile every month, at least once a month. I'm putting in that measure in place to allow myself the time to get to it because what I don't want to happen is a year's worth of charges in QuickBooks accumulate. And then when you're trying to do your taxes for your business the next year, you're, you don't know where to start. You don't know what your receipts are. You don't know who you paid and who you didn't pay and who you're waiting on payment from. So you want to have some kind of measure in place to say, I'm going to be accountable for this. That's the main thing is the accountability piece. Yeah. And I love having processes in place, even if they're just for me. So like right now it's just me and my business, but I sit down every Friday and I go over all of my banking Mm -hmm. stuff and make sure it's in place. Or I have a process for client onboarding and that makes it so much easier because I'm not reinventing it every time I'm doing it. I'm going in, I'm following the same process. I'm tweaking a couple of things based on what I need and it's faster and it's more consistent, especially on the client side, because they're always getting sort of the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned having that on the client side, because I value client experience. I mean, a lot. And even with the customers that we have, that is one thing I harp on a lot is how well you run your business comes out in your client experience. So you want your client experience to be the same, no matter who comes aboard and is working with you. You want them to have that same experience and they're getting that great value from you. So the best way to do that is to put in some processes, is to put in some metrics so you can have some repeatability and sustainability in your business. All right. So how do the metrics help you develop processes that then support the values that you have? The metrics you create basically are going to show you where you are at any given time. And that's the best gift you can ever have. And basically, I'll use this verbiage from my husband because he always calls it on target management. So either you're on target or you're off target. So a lot of metrics we create, we follow the traffic light method where it's red, yellow or green. So you either in one of those color ranges, if you're not in any color range. That means you don't have a metric to measure at all. But like I said, at any given time, you should know where you stand. And if you find yourself at several points in time, like if you measure more than three points, it's a behavior. If you measure at least three points, you have a trend. So if you measured once a month 
for three months and you keep being in the yellow, then you know you have some work to do, right, on that process. Like something's not going right. But it also depends on your expectation and where you want it to be. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think when you pull those metrics based on the values that you've set, when you're doing that from the very beginning, then all of this evaluation is helping you actually look at what you want to be doing in your business and where you want to be going instead Mm -hmm. of picking metrics that everybody is using and just deciding, okay, well, everybody measures it by the number of clients that they have. And so I have to do that too. Yes. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like we were talking through before, your personality, your expectations, it's going to come out in, in your business at some point. So yeah, you may start out having the same metrics and processes that another company may have, but you learn over time, this doesn't fit our model. Um, This does not fit where we're going. So you learn to create your own metrics, you know, and that's where, you know, we come in to help a lot of clients do that because it is hard. I mean, you're used to seeing some things a certain way, so you feel you have to do it that way, but that's not the truth. So when you come in and work with people, do you start with those core values and sort of the heart behind the business in order to move forward with everything else? Yes. If you talk to anybody I've ever worked with or even encountered or even our own team, they will tell you, I always ask them this one question, what do you want? And it is such a hard question to answer. Yeah, that is a tough question because you have to really think about it. And it's more than just, okay, I want to make this much money or I have so many clients. It's a lot of times it's a lot deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And when you have a creative business and you're doing it on your own, there's so much heart behind it. And I know I talk to my clients about that too. And like, they're trying to do a lot more than just pay their bills. Yes. Owning a business and entrepreneurship in general, it's a lifestyle. It really is. There's no... It kind of reminds me of Lamb Chop. Remember the um, show when we were little? Yeah. <laughs> it's the song that doesn't end. Like, it never ends. There's always something to do. There's always things you can create. There's always innovative ways to bring something else to life. I know a lot of times I have sleepless nights because my mind doesn't allow me to rest. And I'm like, would you stop, please? I just want some sleep. But it's like, I have to go grab my journal and just start writing things out or, you know, use the memo pad on my phone to get a brain dump. Otherwise, you cannot rest. It doesn't allow you to. Yeah, that's so true. I think we all go through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. (laughs) So if you have current processes in place, how do you audit them to make sure that they're working? Yeah, so what you want to do is create timelines to audit and the main point of this is to create a process owner. So this goes back to when you first start your processes, you want to develop it in a way that it becomes a standard operating procedure. So like I mentioned, assigning a process owner, assigning how often you're going to audit this operating procedure, assigning the last time you made a revision. So put some controls in place so you know, oh my gosh, I haven't looked at this since 2016. Like it's time to really, you know, evaluate if this is still the true story or if it's the make-believe story now because things evolve in your business over time and you don't want to lose the essence of capturing what has occurred because it's going to consistently evolve. Yeah. And how do you keep track of all of these 
processes and make sure that you have them somewhere that you can reference them? Yeah, so what we do is we utilize Google, Google Drive a lot for our documents that we house. You can utilize anything, Dropbox, Box, whatever you want or another type of data management or data warehouse system. But we utilize Google Drive to house any changes in our documentation. Our team has access to it so they can see the latest revision that is made in every operating procedure that we create. Either um, Marcus, my husband, or I sign off on it so they know, okay, this is approved. There's no other revisions being made right now. So those are some of the controllable measures that we have in putting that in place and making sure it stays alive and it doesn't, you know, get missed. When was the last time you checked to make sure your website was healthy? The only way to know if your website is serving your business and working correctly is to make maintenance a regular part of your to-do list. I've created a maintenance guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance that will help you get a picture of how your website is performing, what's working and what isn't, and the things you can work on improving so that you can continue to show off your expertise and bring in more dream clients. Inside, you'll learn why website maintenance isn't something to put off until next week, 15 tasks you should be doing on a regular basis to maintain your website, and the tasks you need to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com slash maintenance. So I'd love to know if you have any thoughts on why creative entrepreneurs are so resistant to writing down their processes. Uh, I think it's the rigid structure, honestly. (laughs) Um, With me having an engineering background, I mean, that was our life. Like, you cannot make anything and set it off in the world without having that because there's too much regulation and compliance that you have to keep up with. So even from a design standpoint, when design engineers, you know, are drawing specs and then the manufacturing engineers and they come and they build and manufacture to those specs or you purchase from a supplier, the supplier has to make that product to a certain specification. And the reason you're doing that is to ensure safety, to ensure quality, and to ensure you have those repeatable um, and sustainable interjections in, in your product or service. But I think it's the rigid complexity of it which, you know, because creators are more free will, like free will individuals, and they don't want the structure. They want to be able to just do what they want when they want to some extent. But from my background, I really haven't had that luxury to do that. Um, I want to learn to be more creative because I'm just so in the mix of compliance and doing things the right way. So I'm learning to be more creative myself and having more of that right brain mentality too. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that we feel like if we have a process on paper, we have to follow it. And it takes all of the creativity out Mm -hmm. and all of the flexibility that we want when it really just helps you because within that you can leave room for that flexibility and creativity. And we're always coming up with new ideas that we can use that on. And so it's just having things in place to get the basic stuff done, to make sure that business is running. Yes. Yes. And you're so right. And that's why we help our clients generate that. We want to help them run their business well, because 
we've had interactions out here in the streets, I like to say, um, <laughs> where, where we have not experienced that. And I'm like, I don't understand. It was like, we were looking, I mean, honestly, we were looking for a CPA for like two or three months. And you would think that would be something so easy to do. There's so many out here that, you know, have their own business. And we were looking for someone we can build a partnership with, we, that we can trust here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was hard. You know, some people did not respond to our messages. Some people responded like a month later. And I was just like, I was just blown away. Like how you cannot respond <laughs> to a client inquiry in four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the client piece is so big on that because if you receive an inquiry from a client and most of us have products and services that are a big investment. And so people who are looking to hire us, you know, they want to know that we're going to be there, that they can trust us. And if you can't reply to them quickly, they're not going to hire you. Exactly. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. I hear that all the time from my photographer friends who are looking for a photographer and they'll be like, people didn't email me back at all. Yeah. Sometimes it's just <laughs> having that process in place. Yeah. You need to have those repeatable processes to combat that. I mean, there's so much out here now to help us with tools that we can utilize in our everyday business model. So that's why it was quite shocking to me to have to go through that for two to three months to find a reliable vendor. Yeah. So do you guys have any programs or softwares that you like to help people automate some of these processes? Yes. Um, we utilize Dubsado a lot. So that is one that I highly recommend. And Dubsado is a CRM, a client relationship management tool where you can house your client's information, any contracts you send to them, proposals, any kind of content or anything important business-wise you send to your clients, you can manage it in Dubsado. But it also does other functions like time tracking. If you're working on a contract, you need to track how much time you're spending with A client or B client. Um, and there's also the functionality for emails. So that was a big help for us is developing canned emails, emails that we send out on a repeated basis, allowing the flexibility there to change the client's name, what kind of contract or project you're working with them on. But just having those canned emails saves a lot of time. I mean, you can imagine how many emails you send a day to have like maybe 10 that you're normally sending and all you got to do is just switch out a couple of the verbiage in there. Yeah. I use Dubsado as well. So everybody on the podcast has heard of it a couple of times and I love it. When I have somebody fill out like my contact form on my website, it, depending on what they say they're trying to get in touch with me for, they get a separate automatic reply letting right. me all follow up. Right. Like the workflows, you're able to create workflows in there. Just like you said, it's kind of like you can do split testing to see which inquiries are getting the most traction or what are people necessarily looking for. So from that, you can create a metric. See, it's so easy to create metrics from when you're tracking data to some extent. Yeah. And I think it's all about tracking data, like just going in and keeping track of what's going on in your business. And then you can sort of figure out, 
okay, this is what I want to work on improving and how am I doing in that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So you have mentioned that you guys have a team. So I'd love to know as your team has grown, how do you make sure that you're still on track in these processes and following these metrics that you've put in place? Well, now we've grown to a team of about eight different independent contractors that support the MJW group. And it has been a learning experience as well. The more transparent I thought we were, the more we had to become. Um, Because everyone brings a different skill set to the table. Everyone learns differently. Everyone operates their individual business differently. But when we come together and support the MJW group, there's a brand that had to be established. There was roles and responsibilities that had to be established. There was support links that had to be established. So growing a team and making sure they're staying on track is where we have spent so much of our time because we want to create a solid foundation for our team and nourish them and allow them to grow as well. It's sort of hard to be rigid and have a lot of structure with the team because we want them to bring the creativity to the forefront. We want them to suggest to us things that we aren't seeing at the same time. But when we started out, we did create focus descriptions for everyone. So even though we have now two VAs on our team, their title is not VA at all. Everyone has a specific function that they're responsible for, that they're ensuring is getting results for the business. So it's been a great growth experience on both sides, I would say. Um, We do have a, a long road ahead of us. I don't think you're ever done when you're building a team because there's so much that can evolve with them learning how to be around each other and learning to interact with us at the same time, the innovation comes out and it's good to see that over time. Yeah. And I'm sure that once you have a team, it's harder to make those changes. You can't just decide you want to do something differently one day because there's a process that has to happen. You have to let people know and make sure that they can do it and you have everything in place. You're not just doing it all on the fly. Yes, exactly. So you mentioned something very critical, which is communication. Like I mentioned before, transparency is something that we thought we were doing well, but we have since learned we need to do more of it. But communication as well. So again, making sure you are communicating in a timely fashion. We set some expectations in place for that with internal um, our internal contractors as well as our external clients. So we do have that established now. But yeah, making team meetings a priority, just communicating maybe by a company newsletter is something that we've toyed with as well and we want to put in place. Okay. So can you give me just sort of a, an overview of how you guys have onboarded a new team member when you hired somebody or brought somebody on? Yeah. So typically what we do, we spend a little bit of time of really vetting people out. So we have an expectation of what we need. And again, that need goes back to our core values and our vision and strategy. So how does this person fit into the MJW group business model is the first question we ask, or it could derive from a lack of something that's not being done, right? So if we're not able to do it, we know we need to get some help in some form or fashion, either it's a tool 
Um, it's a different way of, of doing the process or it's something, a people component affecting the overall system. So we look at vetting someone out. Um, we go through a round of just getting a discovery session type of feel going on. So they can ask whatever questions to us. We can ask whatever questions to them. We basically outline, you know, what it is that we're looking for and how we feel they would be a great fit for that specific focus. Um, We then move on to a calibration session. If they feel like this is a good fit for them at the time, we move to a calibration session in in which we dig deeper with more questions. Now we're doing some more behavioral type questions than just, you know, functional technical questions. So we've integrated that into the mix. And once the calibration session is finished, if they still would like to proceed, we send out our contracts with them outlining, you know, the scope of work. And then we, we address any terms and conditions that they have. And we do that as well. And we just collaborate on finding a viable solution on how we can work together. And we put those contracts in place and then they pretty much come aboard and they're onboarded um, rather quickly. They get exposed to how we operate, what tools and sources we utilize on a daily basis. And then they start to interact with the rest of the team. Okay. Do you like to hire somebody who already is familiar with the tools you're using or do you like to train somebody because you feel like they're going to be a good fit and you're willing to work with them? A little bit of both. It depends. If I if we see someone can help us, um, like right now, we just brought on someone to help with strategy because my role in our business is chief impact visionary officer. So I'm mostly looking at the strategy for years one through three, maybe sometimes. Um, seems like we, we still can't get past year one. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's so much that evolves. Um, So I need some help with someone, you know, taking the strategy and the vision that I'm setting and really bringing it to fruition. So we've since brought on a business development manager to kind of help with that. And this person is not that savvy with the tools, which was fine. Like, I know that's something we can train them to do because they probably won't be as ingrained in our tools as the other contractors are. They're going to be more of that client facing. So Mm -hmm. there's a balance is what I'm saying. There's a balance. It just depends on what the focus is and what they're going to be doing. All right. So I know you've given us a lot of information, but is there anything else you wanted to share before we go into the wrap up questions? I guess the only thing would be don't be afraid of creating, you know, processes and metrics. Even if you're a creative and your business supports other creatives, don't be afraid. Some people want that structure. They're looking for someone to, you know, help ingrain that structure. A lot of the times they don't know. So, I mean, if you just give them a little exposure to it, I'm sure they'll be fine with it. Yeah. And I found that with my own clients, if I can give them some metrics as far as how many website visitors they have or or some of that stuff, then it gives us a way to measure whether or not the work we're doing is working. So it benefits them because they know what's working, they can make changes, and it benefits me because then I have that information I can share with people. Mm -hmm. And just don't be alarmed at whatever you see. It's okay. (laughs) It's all an evolution. And I mean, I, I think I learned that most from Gary Vaynerchuk because 
if you've ever listened to him or watched his vlogs or listened to his podcast, he talks about how much he had to grind. And one of his favorite words is hustle. Um, when he was working, you know, at his family's business and essentially turned it into wine line library. It was 13 years that he was learning to sift and sort and, you know, go through the ebbs and flows and all of the ups and downs to get to where he is. So don't just look at one indicator, one metric and say, you know, this is not working. I give up because it's kind of like the man shipping away to get to the diamond. Like he's so close and he gives up and it's like, you were almost there. Like don't quit. Yeah. (laughs) And especially at the beginning, it's just information. Right. All right. So let's start by having you give an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business. Yes. So as I mentioned, definitely having that client experience is very important to us because what happens is you get referrals that come in in a steadily form, right? People just know of you because of someone else or someone else you've helped or, you know, someone else you've supported. So it may not be from a direct client you've had, but if someone's had that interaction with you and they know what you stand for, they know what your business is and and what you do to help then those referrals are going to come in. So you don't have to go out and hunt for new clients. Like they're going to be attracted to you. Yeah, that's huge. The referrals is a huge way that people do business. And when you work with dream clients, you can get them to refer other dream clients and it is really beneficial all around. But it comes back to serving well in the beginning so that they want to point people to you. Yes. Okay. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. I am loving um, reading right now. I have taken upon the challenge of reading 12 to 15 books this year in 2018. So far, I have three down. Um, So I'm on track um, to hit that goal. And it's just various books from, you know, entrepreneurship, business, spiritualness is something I've been, you know, really heavily reading lately because it, it's all connected, I'm finding. Um, how you feel <laughs> and how the universe reacts to you, it's all connected to you, your lifestyle and your business. Another thing really vibing on is just being intentional with my time for my family and my business. So, There are times where I've had to tell myself, you know, I'm just going to cut this off for today because like we were talking about earlier, as an entrepreneur, it never ends. There's there's so many things you can be doing to impact the world. And at some point you have to say, okay, I need to set some boundaries. I need to spend time with my husband, with my parents, with my siblings. So how do you balance that? So that's something I've been loving to figure out this year and have a great learning experience from. Yeah. Absolutely. I was laying in bed last night and thinking about business and I was like, nope, I I have to shut down. I have to actually rest. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a business book that you really like or that has taught you a lot? Oh boy. Uh, My favorite one is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. He is a small business guru. Basically, he's helped, I don't even know how many small businesses throughout the last 40, 50 years go from point A to B. And I guess I love that book because he kind of talks through the evolution of how 
small businesses don't survive and they don't because the people who are running them, who become business owners, they were employees at some point, but they never learned how to become a business owner. Mm-hmm. So they keep being that technician. They never evolve into the entrepreneur and have more of a strategic overhang over their business. They keep wanting to be in it and not learn how to work on it. So I definitely love that book. I have read it maybe two or three times in the last year because I refer back to it so much. All right. I'm going to have to check that one out. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, definitely check that out. All right. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Um, Definitely watching the plan materialize that we've set for the MJW group. I would say business-wise, there's so much brewing. It's like you can feel it. And you're just waiting for it to happen. It's, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and then personal wise, um, my husband and I are purchasing our first home. So we're looking to close very soon. And I can't wait for that to happen because it's been a long journey um, with uh, buying a home. I didn't know it was going to be that way, but it's okay. We're, we've learned and we know, you know how to help the next person. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, home ownership is a ton of fun, but it is definitely more involved when you are an entrepreneur. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. I feel like I should have an episode about that. <laughs> you might want to because, uh, yeah, the probing. Oh, my gosh. I felt yep. like Mark Zuckerberg on trial. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So my last question is, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find us at the MJWgroup.com and that's GRP. Hit us up. There's a contact form there as well. And we will make sure we respond to you in the next 48 hours. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know that this will be a really valuable episode. So I'm excited for people to listen. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad we did this. And thanks for having me on, Samantha. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show. 